Well, I'm curious, who here really likes waiting? I mean, it's just like one of your top 10 things to do, waiting uh, at line on the grocery store, waiting in the, uh, off, uh, waiting in the uh, doctor's office for your appointment. You like uh, waiting in traffic. It's like, man, I love that. I love getting to the airport and waiting online in security. Uh, who, who would say, man, waiting is one of my top 10. What I really like is waiting for my kids to get ready to go where we need to go, or in the case of my poor wife, for 28 years, waiting for me to be ready to go where we need to go. I would venture to say most of us would not put waiting in our top 10 list. We actually would say, I rather despise waiting. I don't like waiting. I, some of us would even say, I hate waiting. And yet, for many of us, we're in a season of waiting. We're waiting for God to do something. It might be uh, something financially. It might be something in our physical bodies. We may be waiting for a relationship to get healed. We may be waiting for a family member or a friend or someone that's near and dear to us to come back to the Lord. But we're waiting, and in our waiting, we start wondering, what is God waiting for? What is God waiting for? Because I'm tired of waiting. So we're in this series, Where is God? Last week, we kicked uh, kicked it off and we talked about uh, where is God when he seems to be distant? He's not here. And what we learned is that even when God seems distant, even when we can't feel his presence, it doesn't mean he's not present, that God is never, ever, ever distant. Next week, we're going to wrap up the series, and we're going to talk about when God seems distracted. We know he's there, we're talking to him, we're interacting with him, but it seems, it's almost like, you know, when you're talking to someone and they're on their phone, and you're having a conversation, and it's like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, um, what what did you say? And sometimes we can feel like that with God, like we know he's there, he's, he's answering us, but he's not really seeming to give us the answer that we want. So maybe he's just a wee bit distracted. Now, this morning, it's all about waiting when God seems delayed, when it seems as if we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and waiting can be really hard, can't it? And while we're waiting, we're wondering, where is God? We want to be married, and yet no one seems to be coming into our life that's a right fit. We're waiting for a relationship that is damaged to be healed, and yet Nothing seems to happen. We're waiting for some type of job to come about, some type of financial provision, some type of healing. We believe God can do it. We know he can do it. We're praying, we're believing, and yet we're left waiting. And in the waiting, we start wondering, what is God waiting for? Why is he making me wait? What is happening here? And it's very, very difficult And so I want to start by looking at a verse that I believe should fill us with hope in a time of waiting, in a season of waiting, in a moment when we feel like the waiting is never going to end. It is found in the book of Isaiah. It says, they who wait for the Lord, when you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the Lord, here's what you should know. You shall have your strength renewed. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what's that telling us? It's telling us that waiting, in that time of waiting, in that season of waiting, when you're waiting for something miraculous to happen, there is also something miraculous happening. 
And so what that tells us is that in waiting, something is happening. And because something is happening, we're not simply counting off days. We're not just ticking off days on a calendar. We're not simply whittling away time. Waiting has a purpose. So with God, a time of waiting is never a waste of time. But it can feel like that. Why am I wasting my time here waiting? Listen, when you're standing in the line at the grocery store, it can feel like a waste of time. But when you're waiting in God's economy, it's never a waste of time. He's preparing you. He's growing things in you. He's giving you understanding how to walk in his strength. He's renewing you. He's giving you the ability to run through every obstacle that comes in your way. He's giving you the ability to walk through whatever life throws at you. He is preparing you for his plans and his purposes. So a time of waiting is never, ever, ever, ever a waste of time. And for some of you who have been in a time of waiting, a season of waiting, you just feel like it's a wasted season. It's not a wasted season. And so we're going to look at the life and the story of a husband and wife in the Bible who went through a season of waiting, a long season of waiting. We're going to find out it was 25 years of waiting. Most of us don't want to wait 25 minutes. They waited 25 years. So the, pe- the person we're going to look at is a man named Abram and his wife, Sarai. And later on, God changes their name to Abraham and Sarah. So I may call them one or the other, but it's the same people. Abraham is Abram. Sarah is Sarai. Same people, different names. God changed their names because he had a different destiny, a different purpose, a different plan for their life. But they, they've been married uh, for a number of years, and they live in their homeland, their hometown. And God visits them. He says, I want to take you on this great journey, this great adventure. I'm going to lead you to a whole new place, a place you've never been, uh, to a group of people that you've never met before, and I'm going to do something great in you. It's going to be a magnificent adventure. And here's what it says in Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. Now, what that spoke to Abraham, to Abram, was that I'm going to give you kids. I'm going to give you children. And those children are going to grow into a great nation. Now, God said this to Abraham, and it tells us, Abram, was 75 years old. He's 75. God says, I'm going to get, now he doesn't have children. It's just him and his wife. And so he says, hey, I'm up for an adventure. Let's do this. So he, he says, God, I'm going to follow you. So he and his wife and, and his nephew uh, by the name of Lot and Lot's family, they all gather together their possessions and off they travel. And God does some amazing things. They have great interactions. They begin to uh, expand and grow uh, in material wealth and possessions. And, um, and so they go their separate ways. And now it's been five years. It's been five years. And they've been waiting. God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. They've been waiting five years for the first child. And still no child. And so they say, uh, we're kind of getting tired of waiting. And so... Uh, Abram decides he's going to talk to God about this. And this is what it says. Abram said to the Lord, you haven't given me a child. So someone born in my household will be my heir. God, you you made this promise five years ago. I've been standing on this promise. I believe you can do something, but you haven't done anything. Um, And so what's the deal? Because if I die, I've grown, I've got more possessions. If I die and I don't have an heir, then uh, one of my servants, one of those that, uh, that are faithful to me in my household They'll inherit everything. I'll give it to them. And, and so what are you doing here, God? I'm getting tired of waiting. And God says, no, 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 no. 
You're going to have an heir, a child that will be born of your own flesh and blood. So look up and count the stars and your descendants will be that many. And then there's this statement. Abram believed the Lord. Abram believed God. And he, God, the Lord, credited it to him as righteousness. He counted it to him as righteousness. He reckoned it to him as righteousness. He said, that fact that you believe me in the waiting will produce within you righteousness. So what that means is that, see, we so often think that all we need to do is have faith. Just believe. But belief without uh, walking through a time of waiting is immature. Waiting does something. Waiting produces growth. It matures us. It produces righteousness in us. Transformation, the Bible calls it sanctification. It changes us. It grows us up. Righteousness, right thinking, right living, right believing. God says, Abraham, Abram was willing to wait. He believed even in the waiting. Five years, but he believed. And as a result, I produced righteousness within him. So what does that mean for you and for me? It means that sometimes God looks and says, listen, I, I know what you want. I know what you're waiting for. I know. I promised it to you. I know what you're waiting for. I know exactly what it is, but I'm not going to give it to you yet. Because first, I want to do something in you. I want to produce righteousness. God may want to do something in you before he does something for you. And that is so very difficult, but it's so like our Heavenly Father. He looks and says, I could give you this, but I want to do something deeper, more meaningful, more intentional. I want to produce in you righteousness, peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit. I want in, to form inside of you something that is so much more um, long, impactful, and, and, and will sustain you through the, all of life than just giving you what you want now. I've seen this in my own life. There are times and seasons I've cried out to God for job, for provision, for direction, for finances, all kinds of things. And I've waited. Sometimes I've waited years. And I can look back and say, wow, God didn't give me what I wanted, but he did something in me. He gave me patience. He formed in me a greater trust and dependency on him, a greater intimacy with my heavenly father. He taught me to walk by faith and not by sight. Inside of me, all of a sudden, I learned that when I am weak, I'm strong. And I don't have to have all the answers. And that I walk not by faith or sight, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to make everything happen. I can trust in my God, in my heavenly Father who loves me, who cares about me. He wants to lead me and guide me. So sometimes those times of waiting are actually divine delays. So you may be in a season of waiting, and it may be a divine delay because God says, I know you're waiting, and I know what you're waiting for, and you still believe I can do it, and I'm still going to do it. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. It means I'm not going to do it now because it's a divine delay because I want to do something in you now before I do that for you later. And so if we can grab hold of that, all of a sudden, times of waiting, we realize aren't a waste of time. And so Abram says, I believe you, God. And it's counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness is produced in him as he waits. Waiting and believing so often go hand in hand. And so now it's another five years. 
Five years have passed. It's still a great adventure. You can read all the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's a great story. It's all through these chapters in Genesis, uh, basically starting in chapter 12. Um, and, and, it's, and it's an amazing story. We're not going to touch into all of it, but it's been another five years and some great things happened and some weird things and some supernatural things. And, and here they are. It's five years later. They've been waiting 10 years for you, God, to fulfill your promise that we will become a great nation. And there's still no children. And we're starting to wonder, what are you waiting for? And so Abram and Sarai do what so many of us do when we're tired of waiting. We don't want to wait 10 minutes. They've been waiting 10 years. 10 years. And so they do what so many of us do. They take matters into their own hands. If God won't give us what we want when we want it, then we're going to get what we want anyway. We're going to figure out how to just move past this delay, to bypass this delay, to make happen what we want. If God's not going to do it, we'll figure it out. And it wreaks havoc on their lives and for generations to come. Here's what it says in Genesis 16. Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to have children. She said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from giving birth. Listen, that's critical. She knows it's God. She knew the promise from 10 years earlier, I'm going to make you into a great, a great nation. And she even says, God is not allowing this to happen yet, but I'm tired of waiting. So I've got a plan. I've got a servant. Her name is Hagar. And in that time, in that culture, if a woman had a servant and that servant had a child uh, that was um, uh, as a result of being with the woman's husband, then that child would be considered that, uh, the wife's child, not the servant's child, the wife's child. It was a bizarre thing, but that was the culture of the time. I didn't make it up. That's just the way it was. So, uh, so she comes up with this scheme. I know God is delaying this thing. God is not letting me have children, and he made this promise, and so I'm tired of waiting, so I've got a plan how to bypass the time of waiting. We will try and get what we want, how we want it, if God won't give it to us when we want it. And so this is what it says. So go be with my servant. Maybe she will provide a child for me. Abram did as Sarai said, and Hagar, the woman, became pregnant. So now there's this tension because basically Hagar's like, hey, I got pregnant and you didn't. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I'm more of a woman than you are. And, uh, and so it creates tension and, and basically there's a dispute and Sarai says, get out. And so Hagar leaves and, and God shows up and intervenes and says, listen, you need to go back. You're going to be with Abram. And, uh, and I'm going to take care of you. I promise you that. But then he says, I want to tell you about this child that you're carrying. So the Lord said to her, you will give birth to a son and you will name him Ishmael. And he will be a wild donkey of a man. I hope no one ever says that about me. <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. He will fight. He will fight with everyone and they will fight with him and he will live at odds with all his relatives. So what's that telling us? It's telling us that there are times when we get so tired of waiting that we say we have to figure out how to get what it is. God said to wait. I say I can't wait anymore, so I've got a plan. But what all that means is that we're trying to bypass the season of waiting, the divine delay. And when you do that, you end up wreaking havoc on your life. So here's what I want you to remember. Do not try to dodge the delay. Do not do. But that's how we're wired, isn't it? I mean, what, what do we do? Okay, maybe not you. What do I do? I've got my cart 
and I'm going through the shopping, uh, the, the, the shopping center, I'm going through the grocery store, and I've got everything, and I'm approaching the registers, and I'm looking for the shortest line. And if I'm walking and I see someone else walking and we both see, oh, there's the one that's only got one person. I start walking a little faster. They start walking a little faster. And man, I've, uh, I don't care. I'll knock the old woman down. Bah! Oh, I'd like to invite you to our church. Uh, no, I mean, we don't like waiting. We look for the shortest line, the fastest route, right? When we put our GPS in, hey, please take me on the longest route possible. Now, when we're driving, what is a GPS? An alert. Hey, a faster route has been found. Do you want to take it? Yes. Why would you even ask such a ridiculous question? Do I want to get there 30 seconds quicker? Praise Jesus. Uh, so, you know, we, don't, we, we want to find the fastest route, the, the, the quickest line, the, 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 the fastest way to get through what it is that we don't want to wait for. But the problem is when we do that, we bypass what it is that God wants to do and we take matters into our own hands and sometimes it wreaks, uh, it wreaks havoc on our lives. So we say, I want to be married, but I don't want to wait for the person that God has for me based, based on who I am, based on what I know, based on counsel, based on the words of other people, based on the insight. I just want to be married to someone. And so, hey, here she is, and I'm going to marry her. Even though she's not even a Christian, she doesn't even attend church. I don't care. I'm going to marry her. And we get married, and we have 30 years of misery because we didn't want to wait. So we want a new job because we want a better pay and we want a title and we want prestige and we want to be noticed for uh, the, the investment that we've made in our education and the years of experience and a job opens up and we know it's not the right job because it's going to mean that we're traveling three weeks out of the month, but we don't care. We want the job. We want the position. We want the money. We want the prestige. And so we take the job and we don't have time with our spouse and we don't have time with our kids and our marriage ends up falling apart and our kids end up in, in all kind of situations that we didn't want and we're not there to help them because we wanted what we wanted, but what we wanted was really a good marriage and a good family, but we thought what we wanted was this job because we wouldn't wait on the job that God had for us. And we really want a new house. But we can't afford the house that we want to get, but we don't care, so we're going to go ahead and buy it, and then we're going to wonder why we can't pay our bills, and we're underwater on our mortgage payment, and we say, we'll just buy a fixer-upper, even though we know we don't know how to use tools, but we're going to buy a fixer-upper anyway, and it ends up being a money pit, and it's a house we can't afford, and renovations that we can't afford, and we're going, why did this happen to me? Because you wouldn't wait for the house that God had for you. And so we rush ahead, and we make a mess of things. But there's a verse in Lamentations, and it says this. The Lord is good. He's good. He's got good things. If you learn to wait, God is so good. He's got something for you. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. He's good to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What that's telling us is, yes, God knows what you want. But he may not be giving it to you when you want it because he's got something else for you to learn in that season of waiting. So don't try and bypass it. Just wait patiently. Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait for what he has for you because it's good. And you say, but what do I do in that time of waiting? Okay, I'm waiting. I'm not supposed to take action, but what am I supposed to do? That's a great question. Here's the answer. Do what God told you and nothing else. 
God didn't say to Abram and Sarah, you're going to have a child through Hagar. He said, you're going to have a child. So do what you do to get a child and don't do anything else. Don't, don't take matters into your own hands. So God says, this is what I've called you to. But I know what your word says, that I shouldn't be in a relationship with someone who's not a Christian, but I don't care because I want what I want. Just do what he told you. Remember Mary, when Jesus is at the wedding of Cana? Remember this story, and it's his first miracle, and they run out of wine, and the servants go to Mary. What are we supposed to do? And Mary talks to Jesus, and then she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do, but don't do anything else. Don't do what he didn't tell you to do. Do what he told you to do. Be faithful to what he's called you to do. But my marriage is a mess. God didn't tell you to leave your marriage. God said, be faithful. But I'm not happy. Stay at it. But my job isn't what I want. If I haven't led you to the job that's going to be the job that I have for you, don't bail. Just wait. Just wait. Seek wise counsel. Pray. I'll give you peace. I'll open the door. And it will be an amazing job. But here's what I know. It's better, it's better, it's better, it's better to wait and not have what you want than to force the issue and end up miserable. So... Abram and Sarah say, we don't want to wait anymore. It's been 10 years. We're going to you know, plot and scheme and hatch this, this plan. And they do. And as a result, Ishmael's born. Now, here's the thing. If you trace Ishmael's life in the Bible, there's constant strife and enmity between him and his family and other people. And now if you look thousands of years later, most of the Arab people in the Middle East will trace their ancestry to Ishmael. What's the great tension, the fight, the turmoil, the constant uh, back and forth in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Jews? The Jewish people are the descendants of Abraham. The Arabs are the descendants of Ishmael. There'll be constant fighting and tension and turmoil. Uh, Muhammad traces his ancestry to, Islam, uh, to, to Ishmael. So the, the people that follow uh, Muslim, uh, the Muslim faith, right? There's a great tension and fighting between the Jews and the Muslims because they tried to take matters into their own hands. Listen, it's better to wait and not have what you want than to force the issue and end up miserable. So Abram and Sarah continue to wait. They waited 10 years. They got an Ishmael. It's 14 years later. 24 years. Listen, Abram was 75. He thought, I'm going to have a kid at 75. Listen, I'm thinking 75 is old. I know some of you are like, hey, pastor. All right, 99. Even you 75-year-olds say, yeah, 99 is pushing it. And now if you're 99 here, you can, you can take me afterward and say, pastor, that wasn't nice. If you're 99, I'll take it from you. No, they're 90, he's 99 years old, no child. It's been 24 years, no child. And so this is what happens. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord shows up and says, uh, this is the part where God changes his name. You're not going to be Abram anymore. You're going to be Abraham. And there's a whole story in there, but we're not going to read that. But then he says, that's for your wife. You are no longer to call her Sarai. You are to... Name her Sarah. You're to call her Sarah. For I will bless her and give you a son by her. 
she's 89. He's 99. Now his response is, oh God, I have the faith to believe. That, that's what we think, right? Abraham believed God, it was reckoned him as righteousness. But that was 24 years ago. This is what Abraham does now. Abraham fell down in his face and he laughed. He laughed, he laughed in God's face. And it's not like a laugh of joy. This is a laugh of like, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> a 99-year-old guy's gonna have a kid. You're, God, uh, she, she, Sarah's gonna have a baby at 90? Stop. No, 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 no. I don't even know if I can do what I need to do to get her pregnant. This is like a cruel joke. God, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't oh, I'm, I'm an old man. It's, oh, it's over. It's done. It's past. And Abraham said to God, this is how you know he didn't have faith. He wasn't standing in faith at this moment. This moment is a crisis of faith. He says, just use Ishmael. Let him live under your blessing. And God said, no, no, no. Your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, whom Sarah herself will bear to you by this time next year. Abraham is like, God, we followed you. We obeyed you. We've been following you and believing for a miracle for 24 years. But not, don't, don't make this promise. It's like rubbing salt in our wounds. Don't, don't say this. God, just... Just use what we've got. We've got Ishmael. Just use Ishmael. We're fine. We're fine. If we don't have, we're fine with this. We wanted a child. We believed for a child. I believed you back then when you said it. I believed you when you said it will make me righteous. And then I look what you've done in my life and you've blessed me in miraculous ways and I can't thank you enough for your blessing, but don't, don't make a promise like this. I can't take it. I'm an old man. Just use Ishmael. And I don't know about you, but if you haven't gotten to that time and that season and that moment in your relationship with God, there's probably going to be a point where you do. Where you say, God, I wouldn't be where I am now if you had done something then, but I am here now, and I wish you had done something then. I was believing that you'd do something then, but you didn't do something then, and now I'm here. And I don't like it, but at this point, it's been so long, I'm okay with it. So, you know, I, I wanted them to come back, but at this point, you know, I'm fine. God, I'm fine if the relationship is never healed, but don't tell me it's going to get better. I've waited all this time and it hasn't. God, I, I believed you. I believed you that you were going to provide financially and you haven't and days became weeks and weeks became months and months became years and our finances are still not where we want them to be, but we've gotten used to just living by, you know, a shoestring and, and making ends meet. So God, just at this point, it's fine. I know my marriage isn't what I wanted it to be and I thought we'd have a deeper, more intimate relationship and we'd laugh together and have fun together and have joy and I'd find meaning and fulfillment in my marriage. But it's been 30 years. I'm fine. God, I'm fine that my marriage is, is this is all it's gonna be. But, but I can't believe for a miracle anymore. But here's the thing. What, what this is teaching us 
is that there are times when God waits and waits and waits and waits, and we get to the point where we say, I don't know if I can believe anymore, but that's when we need to believe because delays are not necessarily denials. Just because God hasn't doesn't mean he won't. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, and he hasn't answered your prayers, but it doesn't mean he's not gonna answer your prayers. You've believed and believed and believed for a miracle, and you haven't gotten the miracle, but it doesn't mean the miracle's not gonna happen. And so laugh, listen, you ever say this hurts so much, I'm either going to laugh or cry? That's what Abram's saying. He's like, I, I can't. I can't. But he has this conversation with God. He says, I'm fine with how things are. God, just use Abraham and, or just use Ishmael. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son through, uh, through Sarah. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to be amazing. I'm not just going to work through the way a child normally comes. I'm not just going to work through Ishmael. This is going to be a miraculous child, a child of promise, a child that only I could bring about. And Abraham, even though he says, I don't know, I don't think, I'm not sure that you're going to do this. Just use Ishmael. I still believe you can. I don't even think you're gonna, but I still believe you can because how do we know that? Because this is what it says later on in that same passage. It says that same day, Abraham obeyed God. It's like he's saying, God, I don't know if you're gonna. I don't even think you're gonna really. I mean, it's been 24 years, but I still trust you. I'll still obey you. I'll still follow you. I'll still do what you ask me to do just like I did 24 years ago when you said leave your home and go to a place that you do not know to a people you do not know. I will still obey you. And at some point, that's what we have to say. God, my finances don't make sense. I don't like where I am financially. I have a hard time paying my bills. But if you ask me to tithe, I'll tithe and I'll give Faithfully, I'll bring my offering to you. God, if you said to love my wife like Christ loved the church, even when she's not loving me back, I'm going to love her that way. When you say, wives, live in such a way that you show honor and respect to your husbands, even when he's not living an honoring and respectable life, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what you ask me to do, even if I, at this point, don't think it's going to make a difference. I'll still be obedient to you. So Abraham obeyed God. He said, God, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't even believe it's going to happen, but I believe that you can still do it. And this is what happens. It says, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. He's 100 years old. At the very time God had promised, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears this will laugh with me. So what does the name Isaac mean? You can often look into it and it'll say, he who laughs. But it's not really what it means. This is what the name Isaac means. <laughs> it's the sound of laughter. It's not a, it's, it's the sound of laughter. Sarah holds this child and her and, uh, and Abraham just start laughing their fool heads off. Can you, <laughs> old man, you ever watch the Waltons? Old man, can you, <laughs> old woman. <laughs> I, it, it was unbelievable. See, when God does something, it's so much better than what we wanted. They wanted a child 
which was good. God says, I want to make a nation out of you, a people out of you, and out of that nation, out of that people will come my promise of a savior, my plan of salvation. Better to wait quietly for God's salvation. They wanted something and it was good, but God had something planned that was so much better. Some of you are waiting for God and you're saying, I want this, and God says, but if you wait, if you wait, if you wait, what I have is so much better. And some of you need to hear that you wanted something, you prayed for something, you believed for something, and it didn't happen. And it's not because God didn't want to give it to you, it's because God wanted to give you something better. What God has for you later is so often better than what you want now. He has something for you later that's better than you, what you want now. Some of you are devastated. You wanted to marry him. He was the one, and he married her. And you still think, why, why, why? I wanted him, and he's a good guy. There's nothing wrong with him. But there will come a point, there will come a time, there will come a season, and you'll look back and say, what I wanted was good, but now what I have is so much better. God, thank you for what you've given me. Some of you are saying, God, I, I want this outcome in this situation. God, if you just give that to me, oh, it would be wonderful. And at some point, you're going to look back and say, I didn't get the outcome I wanted then, but it's so much better what I have now because what God has for you later is better than what you want now. Some of you are saying, God, just bring him back, bring her back, fix my marriage, bring that person back. And God doesn't bring them back because he says, I'm trying to protect you from greater heartache and pain and suffering. And by the way, I've got something better for you. Some of you are saying, God, 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 just heal me, just heal me, just heal me. And what, what could be better than miraculous healing? And God says, what I have for you is supernatural, amazing grace upon grace upon grace. And that's going to sustain you and see you through everything. Some of you are waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're in year 24. You're in year 24 and you're going, I don't know if I can wait any longer. But you never know if a miracle's waiting in year 25. So just wait on the Lord. Let him renew your strength. Let him give you wings like eagles that you can soar and run and walk through the hard times. You're in year 24. But year 25 is coming. And there may be a miracle. But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee a child's coming in year 25. There's no guarantee a healing's coming. There's no guarantee that everything's going to turn around in year 25. What I can promise you, what I can guarantee you, what I can tell you is an assurance. And what you can hold on to is that no matter what happens in year 25, if there's a child, praise God and laugh your fool head off because that laughter will fill you with joy, joy unspeakable. unspeakable. But there, if there is no child, hold on to God. Keep waiting, keep holding on, keep believing, keep obeying, keep following. You may say, I'm just waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Listen, there may be a miracle in year 25. And if you're healed and you're restored, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus and live a life that tells of his goodness. But if the miracle doesn't happen and you have to live your life with a disease, with a sickness, with an impairment, then praise Jesus. Here's why. Because our God is so good. He is so faithful. He's so loving. Your heavenly father loves you so much. He loves me so much that he makes a promise that when we wait on him, when we wait on him, he'll give us the strength to endure. 
that he will, it tells us in the New Testament, that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He'll work in every situation, the good and the bad, the times of waiting and the times of rejoicing, when there's a miracle and when we're left waiting for one more year. God will work all that together for our good and his glory. If you'll hold on, not take matters into your own hands and not try and force the issue. Be obedient, walk it out. I don't know what year you're in. You may be in year one, you may be in year eight, you may be in year 17 or 21 or year 24 and you're waiting and your marriage is a mess and your life is a struggle and things aren't where you want them to be and you're waiting for that person to come back to Jesus and you're believing for a miracle and you're saying, God, what are you waiting for? But here is one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible. It says this, I am waiting for the Lord to help me. Just wait wait on the Lord. My soul waits for him. I trust what he says more than trying to take matters into my own hands. I'll trust him. I am waiting for my Lord. I love that. It's not just the Lord. It's my Lord, my God, my Savior, my Father. I'm waiting like a guard is waiting and waiting and waiting for the morning to come. There is a difficulty in waiting. Waiting is not easy. It is hard. We know what we want. We know what we need. We know what God promised. We know what he said. And we're wondering, God, why are you waiting? Listen to me. Waiting can be hard, but the wait is always worth it. Why? Because in, in God's economy, a time of waiting is never a waste of time because God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. So don't try and bypass the time of waiting. Don't take matters into your own hands. But remember that just because God is delaying, it doesn't mean he's denying. He may do what the very thing you wanted him to do. But in waiting, if you'll wait, you may see that what he has for you later is so much better than what you wanted now. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And God, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit, would you move? There are people right now, they're in year 24, and they don't know if they can hold on to year 25. Oh God, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit, pour grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy into their hearts and into their lives. Help them to trust you, to obey you, to do the things you ask them to do. God, not to take matters into their own hands, but to walk out the words that you've spoken to them. Oh God, Better, better to not have what we want than to have what we want and be miserable. So God, give us strength to wait. Give us grace to wait. To wait quietly for the salvation of our God. I'm asking right now, if you're here and you say, I'm in a time of waiting, I'm in a season of waiting, I'm waiting for something Something miraculous, finances, a job, I'm waiting for a home, I'm waiting for some, a, a person, a relationship. I'm waiting for something and it's not happening and I don't know if I can hold on. I'm, I'm just tired of waiting and I'm wondering, God, what are you waiting for? If that's you right now, here this morning, and you're feeling that right where you are, just raise your hand. Say, I'm waiting. I'm in that time of waiting, that season of waiting. And at this point, it feels like I'm just wasting time. Just raise your hand right where you are. God, I see all the hands. You see all the hands. God, I'm asking that you would move right now. now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you raised your hand, 
If you'll have the courage, if you'll have the, the faith, just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for miracles. I want to pray for provision. I want to pray that at the end of year 24, by the time 25 starts, you'll see the miracle. You'll see the provision. You'll see God move in a supernatural way. God, I'm just asking right now for each person who had the, the courage to take that one more step of faith, just like Abraham. God, I just, I'm fine. If this is the way it is, if this is how it's going to go, I don't need anything else. Just use Ishmael, but I'll stand up. I'll try it at your word. I'll launch out into the deep and cast the nets. I'll try one more time. So God, I'm asking that you would do miracles, do financial miracles, do miracles in bodies, bring healing, bring supernatural restoration. God, end the disease, uh, bring uh, healing to broken bones and damaged uh, nerve systems. God, restore hearts that are broken, relationships that are damaged. Bring husbands and wives back together. Bring parents and children back together. Those that have wandered from you, God, bring them back. God, those of us that are waiting for financial breakthrough, God, would you do a supernatural move? God, bring business where there doesn't seem to be business. Bring resources where there seems to be a dry well. God, do something supernatural. God, we're asking you for it. But I'm also asking God, if this is not year 24 and the miracle isn't gonna happen next year, if this is year 12 or 18 or 19, God, give them the grace to wait, to wait on the Lord because you are good to those who wait. You have good things for those who wait. So God, let us wait and wait and wait and wait. God, I thank you. I praise you. And now if everyone would stand to their feet, in just a moment, we're gonna sing a few songs that celebrate who God is. If you would like additional prayer, you say, I'm in that time of waiting, but I wanna pray with someone and join my faith with their faith, that I would be able to wait, that God would give us grace in this time, in this season that we're going through. There are gonna be prayer teams up here, and as we sing these next two songs, let someone pray with you, because you never know what breakthrough is gonna happen when you say, God, I'm placing this in your hands. I will do what you ask me to do. Remember, Abraham waited. He waited 25 years, but now he's known as the father of our faith. You never know what's going to happen if you'll patiently wait for the salvation of our Lord. But what I can promise you is this. If you won't take matters into your own hands, if you don't see the miracle now, you're still better with what God has for you later than trying to force the issue.